This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Munganas St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! He scores! Now. Sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Tom Ackerman back with you. Fun hour planned here on Sports on a Sunday morning in the 11 o'clock hour, and we'll kick it off with some college basketball. And the head coach of the St. Louis Billikens, Travis Ford, is on the line at 11.06. How are you, Coach? Good morning to you. Hey, good morning. I'm doing wonderful. Appreciate you having me on. Always good to have you on. Well, how are things going so far? You had that exhibition game under your belt, Kentucky Wesleyan. How did it go? Well, you know, it was it was a little sloppy. We didn't shoot the ball particularly well. They came out and shot it very well against us, and it was tight early. You end up winning by close to thirty points, but everybody got an opportunity to play. There were some positives. I thought uh, the second half our defense was really, really good. We started taking better shots in the uh, in the second half as well. Uh, but overall, we got a lot out of it for the fact that you know all of our guys got to play. Uh, they got some, uh, you know, seven new players, so everybody got a little bit more experience. But uh, it's always good to go against different competition this time of year. Our guys are tired of practicing against each other. That's right. That's the biggest thing. You learn a lot about your team against an opponent, but the guys get to go out and play somebody with another uniform. And, and just kind of probably just going through these things that you don't really think about, but, you know, dressing for a game, going out for warm-ups, coming back to the locker room, talking, discussing, adjusting during a game, all of that stuff counts and gets you ready for the real thing. You're 100% correct. Uh, you know, we can practice every day, and obviously it's essential to have great practices leading into the season, but there's nothing like, you know, getting ready for game day. Uh, it even starts the day before you know, there's a certain routine starting the day before that you go through, that we go through to get ready for games. Uh, so we got to go through that the day before. Then you have to shoot around the day of, that, you know, something we haven't done yet. Then, like you said, in the locker room, putting on your uniform, coming out, pregame warm-ups, fans in the stands, lights are on. Uh, you know, it's a different atmosphere that you, you can't duplicate. Uh, so it's always great to just see how your team responds with people in the stands and our guys were a little bit nervous, a little bit jittery, but it's good to get that out before hopefully the first game. Yeah. I noticed. And, and again, it's just an exhibition game, but I noticed the free throws 10 for 21. It's something that of course you want to improve upon this year, but it's the first game you're playing in the building for the first time. I totally get that. I wanted to touch on that first. Was that something that you set out, to improve here in 2019, 2020, one of many things that you want to get going? Yeah, it was one of many. Uh, obviously, uh, we shoot a lot of free throws. We, you know, all summer we've been focused on base, you know, with really getting better free throws, but focused on two guys, hopefully Hassan and Jordan. Uh, Goodwin will, will shoot uh, free throws a little bit better than they have in the past. Uh, you know, free throws are something you can work on them every single day. 
no different than what uh, we were talking about, but it's different. It's different than when you can practice them in practice and then trying to get in a game with pressure. Um, it, it's hard to duplicate. So hopefully a lot of the hard work, uh, all the repetitions uh, that we've put in will pay off. It didn't look very good the other night, but with that said, we, you know, we were at, I think one time, Oh, for 14 from the three point line. And we've been shooting the ball really well in practice. So we're hoping that that, uh, that was just one night and we'll shoot free throws and threes better. Uh, but it's still a work in progress. Travis Ford is with us, the head coach of the Billikens. The Atlantic 10 tournament champions from a year ago went on to the NCAA tournament. And Hassan French, you mentioned him. He was a big part of that. Jordan Goodwin, too. Both of them with double-doubles in that game. Both of them with big rebound games. 11 rebounds for Goodwin. But he's a good rebounding guard, isn't he? Uh, I think he's one of the best in the country. Uh, and it's something that we've uh, you know continued to emphasize with him to try to uh, you know, compete with Hassan to lead us in rebounding. It's a, just a different look, especially from the offensive glass. You know, teams just are not accustomed to trying to block out point guards who can go in there and get you three, four offensive rebounds a game. It's just a different look for teams, and it's a it's a strength of our team. It's something we need to continue to do. Uh, Hassan is a guy we think needs to average 10, 12 rebounds a game. Uh, but, yeah, Jordan is a special rebounding guard, uh, probably one of the best that I've coached uh, as far as a guy that, uh, you know, is 6'2", 6'3", and is going to get 8, 9, 10 rebounds a game. Here's a guy to watch, folks, Yuri Collins. So he plays almost 23 minutes in this game. He only took one shot. He made it. But he had three assists in the game, turned the ball over a couple of times. But when I hear your voice talking about Yuri Collins – I get pretty excited. I can tell the difference. Now, I know you like all your players, but when I hear you talk about right. Yuri, that gets me excited. Tell me about Yuri. Well, Yuri's a, just the ultimate team player who all he cares about is winning. You mentioned he played 23 minutes. He's probably going to play more than that going forward. Um, but he only took one shot. All he cares about is trying to make his teammates better around him. Uh, he would have had seven, eight assists. We just didn't make any shots for him. Uh, he, he led some guys into some perfect, uh, great-looking shots. You know, the thing that surprised me about Yuri, I've seen him play you know, a lot before he got here for us, but never realized just how tough a young man he is. I mean, he is aggressively tough competitor, not afraid to put his nose into the, into the action, uh, is a guy that really, really sets the tone for us defensively. Um, you know, he, he's just a, a, a little above his age, or he, as far as his toughness and, and his competitiveness, it's like he, he's an older player. Uh, he's going to play a lot for us because he brings so many positives to our team, so many uh, he can affect the game, whether it be assists, steals, uh, stopping a guy uh, as far as being a defensive stopper for us. But just a young man that every coach – you know, enjoys being around every day because he's just all about the team, all about trying to win, and he does all the little things that uh, that some of these guys have a tendency not to want to do as far as the toughness work. Yeah, I'm excited about him. I really am, and I love the way you describe him. And Fred Thatch, who's coming off that very busy freshman year, he played a lot of games, 36 games as a freshman, which actually tied a record. Uh, is going to be one of your important guards. You've got a lot of them, Demarius Jacobs as well. Uh, I, I do think that... Uh, you know, this could be a fun game 
for an entertainment standpoint on Tuesday against Florida yeah. Gulf Coast at Chaffetz Arena. We all know about their history, and we all know about yours. These are two teams that have shown up in March. That's a, You want to get a little taste of college basketball, that's a dandy on a Tuesday night, isn't it? It is. Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. It is a great home opener. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast, as you mentioned, had a lot of tradition over the last five years, uh, if you want to call that tradition. But mm-hmm. then to multiple NCAA tournaments, uh, you know, they were getting all the hype as considered. I think they called themselves Duck City. <laughs> they want to play fast. They want to play exciting, uh, just like we do. Uh, so fans come out. We need to support this team. Uh, we're young. We're inexperienced. But they're going to love watching us play. We're going to, you know, we've been pressing. Our two games that we've played, we played a, a close scrimmage and an exhibition. We pressed for 40 minutes uh, through both those games. Uh, we're playing a fun, exciting style, but this is a great, tough, really difficult home opener that we're going to need all the help from the fans we can get. Yeah, I, I agree with you. For Florida Gulf Coast against St. Louis University. It's happening on Tuesday night at Chaffetz Arena, one of the great venues. And, and again, you are the city's basketball team. You are our basketball team. And I know that a student turnout is very important to you. There isn't a better band or a student section in your conference and maybe anywhere in the Midwest. I, I know that there's some Big Ten schools might disagree with me, including my own alma mater. But anyway, uh, but but I think that, that it's an awesome venue for basketball, and this is your town's team. Be proud of it, right, Coach? Well, you're exactly right, Tom. You know, you know, Tom. You and I have been uh, been a part of some great arenas. We've, uh, you know, witnessed games in some great arenas and uh, been a part of them. But Shapeit's Arena is special. If you haven't been to a game. It, Everybody I talk to, once they come to the game, they love the experience. We want them to like the basketball, but it's also an event. Uh, you know, our administration, our athletic department does a great, great job with the in-game entertainment, halftime entertainment, timeout entertainments. We got unbelievable four huge high-definition video boards. We got fire coming, going off in the starting lineups. It is an incredible atmosphere, as you said, to watch a college basketball game. Very intimate, not a bad seat in the house. We just need to pack it. When it's packed, uh, you know, I've played in Rupp Arena. I've coached in Gallagher. I've been a lot. It's as good as it gets when it's packed. It's as fun and exciting atmosphere as I've been a part of. I've had some good times in there, and I can't wait for this season. We'll be over there to watch your team, the Billikens, take it on Florida Gulf Coast on Tuesday night. Go over and see them for a 7 o'clock tip-off. Coach, all the best this season. I know we'll keep in touch, and thank you so much for the visit. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tom. Appreciate it. You bet. There's the head coach of the Billikens with us, Travis Ford on KMOX. When we come back, we'll preview Mizzou basketball with a couple of good players, Drew Smith. I think you're going to like him a lot. And Torrance Watson, the St. Louis product. Those guards are with us right here on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman right after this. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. We're talking Mizzou basketball, and we are visiting with Drew Smith, who transferred to the Missouri program last year, sat out a year, and I'm sure was champing at the bit to get in there. Now here he is, the transfer from Evansville. How are things going for you? I think they've been going really good. I think... This year sitting out, I think it's helped me out a lot, and I just, I'm just excited to be able to be out there. You have what I would call a high basketball IQ. From watching you at Evansville, watching you under the, the eye of Marty Simmons, 
you had an ability to keep the game under control. Would that be accurate? I think that's kind of what I try to. That's what I try to do the most. I would say just just try to make the best decision possible with the ball and even off the ball, just moving, screening, things like that. What did that come from? Where did that come from? What, what's your basketball background? Um, you know, I, I don't really know where it came from. I mean, growing up in Indiana, I think that's, that's kind of what everybody does. I think a lot of guys from Indiana are kind of high IQ guys as far as being on the court. Um, and also, I'm not really the most athletic guy or anything like that. So I think it's, I mean, having a high IQ out there on the court is kind of what I have to do. I went to school at Indiana University, so I remember growing up in St. Louis, showing up at IU, thinking I knew basketball. I'm like, I'm in a different world right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot different, I think. I think, I mean, from the time you're a kid, I think everybody basically has at least tries to play basketball at some point in their lives. I mean, that's kind of what you're raised on. So, I mean, I think it's been a lot, I think it's helped me a lot, and I think it's helped my game a lot, too. How was that for you, watching from the bench what what sort of things how do you go about your day knowing that you're not going to play in the game and what did you absorb um I think I think it's hard but I think you have to go about it almost like if you are going to play I think you have to come in here and work every day as if you were going out there to play with these guys even though you know that you're not going to because I mean if not then you're you're missing out on an opportunity to get better so I think I mean it was tough I think it was like you kind of hit eventually I mean you kind of hit a wall for a little bit maybe like maybe you get a little down on yourself because I mean it is tough like that's what you've done your whole life is be out there during the games playing but I mean just to be able to sit back observe watch and just really be able to learn from I mean these guys what they're doing well and everything like that I think it's really helped me a lot. Do you become even more connected with the coaching staff during that time? Um, I think I think maybe a little bit I think really you get a better understanding of what they want I yeah. think you're able to because you're seeing it from the same way that they are like it's different when you're out there on the court because you're not really you can't really of course keep track of everything that's going on but whenever you're sitting on the sideline you see you see exactly what you know what they drew up you know what they want and you see if it's executed correctly or not so I think it's I think that helped me out a lot. I've known Conzo Martin a long time since he was coaching in the Valley and I would he's kind of a combination of everything thoughtful compassionate demanding a lot of things wrapped into one how do you describe him? Um I think Coach Martin is just, just honestly, just an amazing guy, just an amazing human in general. I think he, I think he cares about all of us in every aspect of our lives. I think he does whatever he can to make us great basketball players, but I think he also does whatever he can to make us great men as well. His style of play, I once said, is it defensive first? And he's like, hey, you know, it's both. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to do both things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think I think he, I think everybody thinks that he does only focus on the defensive end. And I think definitely we do put an emphasis on that end of the ball. But he also wants to get into offense, get the ball moving, score as well as we can. I mean, of course, you got, I mean, you got to do both to win games. So, of course, he's preaching both ends of the ball. Well, I want to go back to your Valley days. What was that league like for you? How did you... Uh, enjoy your experience in the Missouri Valley Conference? I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed being at Evansville with Coach Simmons. Um, I think we had a great relationship and eventually, I mean, at the end of the day, that's really the reason why I decided to leave was because he was out of there. So, I mean, I, I really liked it. I enjoyed being there with my family and everything, but I'm also excited to be here and excited to be able to just be out there with these guys. Why did you choose Missouri? Um, I just, I just really liked the players when I came. I liked the coaching staff. It felt like a, it felt like a real family environment, and I just really liked that Coach Martin was. I mean, he's just, he's always straight up with you. He keeps it real, and he's just, he always. I mean, you know what he wants. 
I mean, he's just a great guy. What was your impression of the SEC once you saw Missouri go through it once? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's diff- it's a lot different than the Valley. But, I mean, I think I think these guys worked hard and during SEC play, and I think there were a lot of games where we were right there. Um, and just just maybe a few mistakes cost us there at the end. I think I think that they everybody's been in here working, and uh, I'm just excited to see what we can do this year. Drew Smith is with us. Played point at Evansville, but also played in a shooting guard position, played both positions. What do you see when you're bringing the ball up the floor? What's the first thought of a guard? What are you trying to accomplish offensively? Uh, I think it just depends on when you're bringing it up. I think if it's if you're kind of pushing on a fast break, you're looking for guys, you're looking for your shooters, or you're looking for your bigs running to the rim. I think if you're bringing it up in more of a controlled setting, then you're just looking to get guys in the right spot and get into your offense and everything that you kind of need to do like that. And defensively, which was taught well, you ran a motion offense at, at Evansville, but you guys got after it defensively. That was also a, a hallmark of the of the team. What what do you look for defensively as a guard? Um, I think you just you just look to kind of just kind of do your job. I mean, defensively, I think that's all anybody can really do is try to be in the right position, be in the right spot whenever you're supposed to be. Because at the end of the day, it's gonna it's got to be a team defense if you want if you want to win games. Were there any players that you grew up looking up to that you liked their style of game? Um, I don't really know. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys, of course, that I liked watching and stuff. But I wouldn't say there's really one guy that I can really pick out that. Yeah, that, I mean, you're yeah. but you just watched the game and said, you know, this is the, this is the way I like to play. This is yeah, the way I, I think play. I just I think I just enjoyed watching like basketball in general just seeing like like I love watching like different offenses and seeing how like how they work and what makes them work and different dif- different decent defenses and sets and just the, all those all that kind of stuff I think I mean I really like that so what do you love about the game itself what what about basketball that sets it apart do you think um, I think I think it's just really the connection that you build with all your teammates. I think it's I think it's a lot. I mean, it's not something that you can really explain. But I mean, you're here with these guys. I mean, you spend you easily spend more time with these guys than your family. So, like they become your family basically. So you're here with them every single day, and you're just you're just working. I mean, I think that's really what I like about it the most. Just the just the connection that you build with everyone. And then finally, just kind of circle back to what we started with, but spending a year off the floor but you spent a full year on campus what was that like to soak in what was mizzou like for you uh, i mean it's definitely a big jump from evansville i mean obviously i think evansville we had about 2,000 kids so i mean that's definitely a huge jump but i mean at the end of the day we're just i mean we're just kind of here to play basketball and to go to school so i mean that's really what i did most hang out with these guys be in the gym and i mean just relax at home it's going to be fun to see. It all comes together. Drew Smith's going to be part of it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Torrance Watson is with us. Well, here we are, another season of basketball. What did you learn from last year coming into this year? So really, I learned that um, I had to stay in the gym at all times. I think that was one of the biggest things for me coming in as a freshman. That, uh, not that I thought it was going to be easy, but I didn't put in the amount of work that I needed to to be good at the Division One level, especially in the SEC with so many good guards. So just staying in the gym, and I think that helps uh, keep my confidence up. So keeping my confidence up and staying in the gym probably the two things I learned. Boy, there are some good guards in this league, aren't oh, there? I mean, I think at Tennessee, first off, man, right, big, team. strong guys. Oh yeah, Tennessee was a great team. I think uh, we played them here. We got up a little bit. That was one of the, that was probably one of the only teams that I saw. They didn't change the way they played at any time in the game. Like no matter what the score was, no matter how high they were up, no matter how low they were, 
the guards did a great job of controlling the pace of the game. And uh, they, that was just a really good team. And Kentucky, just the experience of playing Kentucky. We all grew up seeing Kentucky right. and the, the mystique about them. What was that experience like? Uh, that was a great experience. You know, I think our uh, fans definitely gave us a lot of energy during that game. I think that a lot of people always come out to the Kentucky versus Mizzou games. I think that, uh, well, hopefully next year will be a different story than it was this year. So for people in St. Louis who recognize that voice, that is Torrance Watson, proud St. Louisan. Oh, yes, sir. Did you grow up watching Mizzou as a St. Louis kid? Uh, yes, I did. I actually used to come to the uh, Mizzou camps. And the funny story is that uh, last week I just worked Lawrence Bowers camp. And uh, I asked him if he remember. He said that he kind of remembered that he used to pick up some of the kids uh, on the walk from uh, the dorms over to the gym. And I remember like twice he took me. So it was it was a really cool experience. Definitely with like, uh, I remember him, then Kim English, then Mark Harrell, like all those guys. So growing up watching those guys and uh, now being able to play in the same gym as them, it's amazing. That's awesome. Lawrence Powers, wow, what a great guy he yeah, is. Elbow. Yeah, he definitely is. I think um, he's even been, like sometimes when he comes to the games, after he'll talk to me, just trying to, trying to mentor me, telling me some of the things that he's done. So I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, I really like him. You mentioned some other good ones, Kim English and Damari Carroll. I went to Norm Stewart's basketball camp. So I, you know, growing up in St. Louis, yeah, I came here as well. Didn't get to your level, that's for sure. But uh, tell me about your high school experience as well in St. Louis. You, you were a high-scoring guard there. Oh, it was a great uh, experience. Like, uh, I always thank my teammates first because – uh, we didn't have anybody on my team that would get jealous of the scoring or anything. All my teammates uh, really gave me, always gave me great passes, things like that. And so I really just like to thank them. But I think that uh, my high school experience was great. You know, my last year didn't get to state, but made it to state uh, two years before that. So didn't end the way I wanted to, but I definitely uh, had fun during my high school career. Whitfield. Yeah, Whitfield. And right there at Mason and Conway, man. It was some of the best games that you played there, best teams that you played. But the best game that I had was probably like my career high, which is it's really funny. Me and Brooks play on the same team now, and Brooks Ford, he was on the Smith when I had my career high against them. So whenever people uh, ask him what school he goes to, I always be, uh, be like, action did they play Whitfield? And it's always funny. <laughs> How many did you score against the Smith? Uh, 58. Fifty-eight. Yeah. Wow, that's big time. Um, so you grew up also a Cardinals fan. What's yeah, yeah, that? I got a little bit of tattoo. Of Look Cardinals at this. Fan. I may might have to take a picture of that. I'm sure that's someone's taken a photo of that oh, before. Oh yes, sir. Uh, describe that tattoo for our radio audience. Uh, for me, really, it was just the significance of St. Louis. Like obviously, I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm not really into it as much as others, but uh, the significance of St. Louis and then the arch and then everybody knows which stadium. So really, just love my city. It is a great city. It's a city that has a lot of passion. We just saw that with the parade for the, for the Blues. Blues winning, yeah, yeah, that was great. I uh, wanted to go back in town, but we had practices here, so I wasn't able to. Uh, we'll get, maybe they'll do it again. Right, I hope so. <laughs> what about playing in St. Louis? What is the significance of that for you? Uh, for me, really, playing in St. Louis uh, has, has a significance here because I think that uh, a lot of guys in Missouri really want uh, St. Louis guys to start coming here more. So I think that uh, with me being one of the first guys to come here now, uh, Rio has come here. Hopefully we get Caleb Love, Cameron Fletcher. Just really just uh, building back up, uh, making a program for Missouri that's full of Missouri guys. And that's a Conzo Martin stamp right there. I mean, he's born in St. Louis, grew up in East St. Louis. But I know he has a lot of great influence on you and the St. Louis kids. 
Oh, yeah, most definitely. With him uh, being in East St. Louis, which is a uh, crazy thing. Jeremiah is from East St. Louis as well. And then uh, I think some of the coaching staff is also from there. So just really just keep not saying that we have no problem with getting guys from other places. But uh, definitely when the guys from Missouri wanted to come here, it definitely makes a big difference. It seems like a really good group of guys. But, I mean, you're all good guys, but you, there's a language between you two. You understand each other. I'm starting to see this team coming together. Right, yeah, most definitely. I think that um, being able to play with each other for a year, like really everybody's here has already seen each other's faces for the most part, except for the incoming three freshmen. But uh, even with them, I think that they've uh, come in and got familiar with us. So now it's just uh, building that bond. I think we've done community service probably like eight times this really? summer. Yeah, yeah. So just being together, I know we're helping other people, but at the same time we're being able to be together and interact with each other. And then uh, one great thing that we did this year um, – with like our fellow Christian athletes, uh, the person who directs that, he he came in and had us like uh, we drew on this like large sheet of paper about like our family, and then uh, we got to present in front of everybody, telling them about our family, like the dynamics of our family, are we motivated by fear, by love, and things like that. So really, that uh, that helped us get to know each other. I think that getting to know your teammates is definitely something that you need to do. They're, they're like family. Absolutely, because you spend so much time with each other, but you're all going through common things, right. socially, academically, right, and athletically. Yeah, that's one of the points that he made, that um, we're all going through struggles. It might be in a different form, but everybody has some type of struggle, so that we can all help each other. I think that we've just been doing a great job this year of uh, being vocal with Xavier Pinson, uh, Drew Smith, uh, our point guards, they've really been leaders for us this year. So just uh, leading us and uh, trying to make us be better. I know anytime I put my hands on my knees in practice, as soon as I look around, X is going to be looking at me, telling me to get up. So just simple things like that, uh, knowing that he cares for me, knowing that he's my brother, knowing that everybody on the team loves me. And final thing, because you know, I really enjoyed talking to you, but we didn't even talk about like your style of game. You do mention earlier that you're a scorer. What is your, if you said the Torrance Watson great basketball game, what is that? Torrance Watson great basketball game. Do you mean like within one game or? Well, really, I think that it's a little bit transitioned from uh, high school to college. Obviously, every uh, I played at like 3A level in high school, so it might have been a little easier for me coming up to college. It's a little bit harder. Uh, for me personally, I had to get better at ball handling, so that's one thing that I've been working on. But uh, probably the perfect Torrance Watson game. Man, a lot of threes. Yeah. Definitely a lot of threes. And I think that uh, this year, with Drew Smith, Xavier Princeton, and then our big guys do a great job of screening and that um, the point guards do a great job of getting us the ball. So hopefully we'll be seeing that. Good luck. Thank you for the time very much. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Limburg. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX from college basketball back to hockey. Tom Ackerman with you and the Minnesota Wild could have used a two score lead. They believe they had late in the second period. As soon as that goal was waved off, the Blues regained control. The Blues get the win after Sammy Blay tied the game in the third period. Ryan O'Reilly scores 227 in overtime. Here's how it sounded on Fox Sports Midwest. Yeah, we'll go back with that original threesome there. Angelo Perron and O'Reilly. And here comes ROR. He walks in with a move and a shot. And he scores! O'Reilly! 
wins it for the Blues. It ends a wild night here in St. Paul. That's for sure. A great goal, by the way, by O'Reilly right there. But the crowd was upset at a non-call. Luke Cunnan, the St. Louis, and was tripped in front of Sammy Blay seconds before a goal that Blay scored. And uh, Bruce Boudreaux actually drew a penalty for the team by screaming at the officials in protest. Let's say that the Blues just find ways to win, and they're 9-3-3. Three, and three. However they do it, they do it. And here's Jim Thomas of the Post-Dispatch with a question for Coach Craig Berube after the game on Blue Note Productions. Would you like to win one? I don't know, 4-1, to 5-2 to two at some point? Yeah, I mean, I mean it, um, it is what it is right now. So you just you got to roll with it, and you got to deal with uh, what what's handed to you. You know, you, you got to find different ways to win, and that's what we're doing. Uh, what what did Sean uh, Farrell see on the uh, on the coach's challenge? Well, I just I I looked at it too, and I just thought that he was bumped. You know, when I looked at it, and you know, it was kind of a tight call. I thought that um, different circumstances at the time, maybe you know. You don't call it, but making, you know, the score, you know, them going up by two, I thought it was a good time just to challenge no matter what. And then uh, Boudreaux gets the uh, the bench minor. I, I don't know if you, you probably know, it was the same referee that they gave you yours a couple of weeks ago. You better not talk to him then. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's the lesson, huh? Yeah. Well, you don't really, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I did it too and. You just you're better off not saying anything. Thoughts on Jake's play and how how's he doing? The- well, I mean he he battled tonight. Um, you know he got a win, so that's that's what it's all about. Uh, doesn't matter how, but you know um, you know he got a win. Jake did, he didn't like that second goal that he that he gave up, but uh, he's he, you, you got to play him right if he's here. He's got to get in games right and maybe knock some of the rust off. Yeah, I mean, we're going to need both goalies all year. You know, we know that. Um, same as last year. we got to use both guys. So, um, you know, we're was happy for him. He got the win. And, um, you know, the team, we got the win. And good team game tonight, I thought. Back-to-back games. Uh, fresh team here. I thought that I thought we had good energy all game. That Gunnarsson goal, that, uh, I guess you never expect them from him, but it seemed like it kind of gave you guys a little bit of an early lift. Yeah, huh? he was down low there battling, uh, you know, came in off of a, uh, an entry and, um, you know, he took it to the net, scored a goal. I, I thought that, um, you know, we took pucks to the net tonight and, you know, got a couple dirty goals out of it tonight, which was good, good to see. It can happen fast. The Blues find themselves on top of the Western Conference with 21 points tied with the Edmonton Oilers. And look who they play this week. They visit Edmonton on Wednesday. They're in Vancouver right now. The Blues play at the Canucks on Tuesday night. They're in Edmonton for a game against the Oilers on Wednesday night. And they will visit the Calgary Flames on this Western Canadian road trip on Saturday night. Quick break. Back with MLS Stadium Plans. Stay tuned. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. 
Tom Ackerman back with you. Final segment. Let's get the latest on the MLS stadium plans. Kevin Colleen standing by. We're talking with Eli Hoisington and Lee Broughton. And Eli is with HOK, the architectural firm, renowned for, among other things, the planetarium. Is it true that they designed that the night before by turning a fruit bowl upside down? You know, there's lots of, lots of myths about Gio. I'm sure that that may have been one of them. Um, next time I see, you know, he's still around. Uh, I'd love to give him a question and see if that's true. And Lee is with MLS for the Lou. Lee, how unusual, how different is this soccer stadium and practice field design compared to other around the world? We think it's really unusual. Um, we In what are, way? Well, we're, we're, we are super excited about its urban setting in the heart of downtown St. Louis. Mm -hmm. It will be right next door to Union Station, which we know is just opening up its Ferris wheel. The aquarium's coming, so... So you can see a shark and take in a soccer game. Exactly, yeah. In fact, the sharks, if they exist, can play us if they're feeling lucky. (laughs) But um, then you've got the, the, the opportunity of it really feeling like it's a part of the neighborhood. There's a natural topography in the site area Mm -hmm. that we are really taking advantage of. So we're going to push our bowl deep down into the ground and and feel like on all sides of the stadium, you're coming in at your seat level. Well, well, since men first came out of caves and wanted to throw rocks around, there's always been a stadium. The Greeks, the Romans. How do you make this stadium different? Well, it's interesting because it's both uh, referential to that. It's both like old and so new at the same time. So it's going to be a machine. It's going to be the most modern and contemporary machine. So you're going to have all of the trappings of, you're going to have great food. You're going to have amazing technology. Mm -hmm. You're going to have all the access to things. Your your phone is going to be able to do all the things you want it to. And you're going to link to the team and its app. So that's going to be amazing. I'm sorry to hear that. I was hoping that there would be no phone experience. (laughs) You just have to stay in the moment. But here's the thing. The fans want that now. But but it's going to be both. Because in the moment, you talk about this. Lee just talked about the idea that you come in and you walk down. Mm -hmm. That kind of spirit of a a classic stadium and how you watch sport absolutely happens here. It's a square-shaped open-air stadium open over the field. Field with coverage over where the fans sit, right? Correct, yeah. And the, the season runs from the spring through the fall. Yeah. What's the weather going to be like? Is this fan-friendly to be out in the open like that? Yeah, I think, you know, if you if you imagine a stadium that is taking advantage of um, some of the natural breezes that we'll have, we've got a quite a porous idea for a stadium that can lock in the noise and the uh, acoustics but at the same time allow breezes to kind of pass through. And and speaking of breezes, how many diaper changing tables will there be? (laughs) That's a great question. I mean, a lady at the office wanted to know No, that's a wonderful question. So um, I would say that we have to start thinking about that pretty seriously as we move out of the Because this, you know, it's not just the men anymore. There has to be children, women. Soccer is um, a, the demographics of soccer is amazing compared to the other sports. And we will be looking after practically 50% of our fan base, which are women. And the other, I understand part of it is uh, they're called the St. Louis Hooligans. And they like to stand a lot. Will there be an area where you can just stand and not have to sit? We do. We're going to have a standing, safe standing area in the stadium for the supporters. Um, So that's absolutely the case. Parking, this is going to be a very dense area now. You've got the revitalized Union Station. Yep. uh, This and everything going on in downtown West. Where, Where do you park when you go to this? Yeah, so we've done rigorous studies on that. Um, There's ample parking in play uh, already for many, many fans. And then for those that that need a little bit of extra, we are incorporating parking into our 
design functions that allow you to sit underneath the training fields. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you slide your car right under the training field. Yes, you do. Slide it under the training field. Now, somebody said, is this Square because it was sponsored by the tech company Square? It actually is. Go ahead, Leo. Let you feel this one. <laughs> uh, if you know something that we don't, we're gladly open for business. <laughs> oh, so they haven't sponsored yet? Not yet. Yeah. Are you working on that? Um, I would love to work on that. I mean, you could say, look, we've got the shape ready to go for you. Jack, are you listening? <laughs> Last question, Lee, if they build, if you build it, they will come. But how confident are you that St. Louis can buy into soccer? We, we are America's first soccer capital. So uh, we have a deep sense of this sport, possibly more than any other city in America. And the winds are at the back of the game uh, mm-hmm. in many ways in this country. The winds are at the back of the game. Yes. What does that mean? I like it. It means that that there will not... That could be a Hallmark card. Right. It won't be any handballing, but there will be a lot of of activity that will make itself incredibly relevant that goes on right now in St. Louis. I mean, there's more kids playing soccer in St. Louis than there probably is in any other sport. People are going to embrace this. Embrace it. Eli Hoisington and Lee Broughton, thank you for being on KMOX. Thank you. Thank you. Really nice. Uh, good insight there and a fun interview, as always, by Kevin Colleen of those two gentlemen. What an exciting time it is, really, to have MLS coming to St. Louis and that stadium going up just west of Union Station and just to announced just to the north of that area all the way into Olive, where we're located, actually, right next to, pretty close to where we are, next to the Soldiers Memorial. That'll be just to the west of us, though, about 21st and 22nd Streets. We already have an NFL game in the books. Houston beat Jacksonville earlier today, 26-3 in London. Uh, We had a Thursday night game, 28-25, 49ers over Arizona. The 49ers are still undefeated. The noon games today, Washington at Buffalo, Minnesota at Kansas City, Jets at Miami, Bears at Eagles, Colts at Steelers, Tennessee at Carolina, Detroit at Oakland, Tampa Bay at Seattle, and the those are the 3 o'clock games along with Cleveland at Denver, Packers at Chargers, where it'll be all Packers fans. You'll have a hard time finding a Chargers fan at that game in L.A. New England at Baltimore, the Monday night game is Dallas at Giants. For James O'Sullivan, I'm Tom Ackerman. Thanks for joining us sports on a Sunday morning. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.